Edward Snowden has released upon the United States an interesting debate. A debate which pits two sacred American principles against one another. Security versus privacy. On the one hand, we have the aftermath of 9-11. The attack on the Twin Towers in New York, which reportedly changed everything in terms of the FBI and the CIA's handling of their workload. The vision of the United States has largely changed since 9-11. Now security against terrorism is the name of the game for our security agencies. On the other hand, we have America's fear of government spying and intervention in our private lives. We are a nation that loves to have government serve us, but not pry too much into our private business and our personal lives. Your home is your castle, as Spiro Agnew used to say, and we are entitled to protect our homes and our identities against encroachments from outsiders. Both of these principles are enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. We trust our government to protect us, but allow us to be free unless we break the law. Are these two goals any longer compatible? Now we find that the United States government daily collects what has previously been classified as private information, the destination of the phone calls we make and the people whom we contact. Little by little, we are discovering that our lives are not so private, but we do not yet know how much involuntary intrusion occurs daily. We are involved in a national debate over security versus privacy and how much of each is warranted for all Americans. Can we be both secure and anonymous to our government? President of the United States, Barack Obama, says, no, you cannot be entirely secure and maintain absolute privacy and convenience without risk. Some prefer to err on the side of privacy, others on the side of security. Some people don't care if the NSA, the National Security Agency, actually collects phone numbers or even listens into phone calls. One friend said to me, I'm not doing anything wrong. Why do I care who listens to my phone calls? Others feel that the government already knows too much about our lives. That the government that could kill Americans that is labeled as terrorists, who happen to be outside of the American borders, is a government that already has too much power. Unchecked power, they feel, is the greatest threat. We are debating America's sacred principles. This is our national belief system at stake. So to speak, the civil religion of the United States is up for debate. It's not clear where the resolution will lie at this point or even if we have all the pertinent information to make the proper decision. There is no absolute right to privacy, and a 100% guarantee of security is not possible in any known world. We have to make choices of the relative proportion of each. Will these be decisions for the sake of heaven and our citizenry, or for the benefit of private individuals and their accumulation of personal power. In the Mishnah, in the Tractate Avot, which is often called the sayings of the fathers, but I think better translated as fundamental principles, we find the secret to arriving at a real consensus 
of issues of national importance. It's a well-known and simple statement there. Every dispute that is for the sake of heaven, its result will stand. And every dispute that is not for the sake of heaven, its result will not stand. What dispute for, for, is for the sake of heaven? Disputes between the schools of Hillel and Shammai, who married one another's children and got along, even though they disputed on most points of law. And what disputes were not for the sake of heaven? The dispute with Korach and his group. Maimonides comments on this Mishnah that anyone who argues not just for the purpose of contradicting his neighbor, meaning that he gets into the argument to demonstrate that his neighbor is wrong, but he gets into the argument instead to enable his neighbor to know the truth, his words will stand. In other words, there are two possible directions for argument, to pursue self-interest or to achieve truth. Korach said he was arguing against Moses to achieve the truth, but was actually arguing to advance his personal status and to enrich his own life. It's difficult in the short term to know who is within each camp, who is arguing for truth, who is self-aggrandizing. In civic matters, we should be arguing for the welfare of our nation, not for our personal benefit. And all too often, as we all know, arguments that are couched as though they are for our national interest are simply a matter of trying to gain benefit or trying to garner power to one party or another. This selfless motive seems often to be lost then in our modern body politic. We ought to be pulling together as a nation for much is at stake. In a famous statement, President Kennedy argued for a stronger national economy, a rising tide lifts all boats, he said. Governor Brownback claims to be attempting to lift all boats in Kansas with his tax cuts. But this morning's newspaper claims that the benefit of the cuts falls mainly to the rich, with the poor losing out. Is the governor benefiting his cronies like Korach or his entire people like Moses? And each camp claims to be righteous, and many people sit and wonder, where will it end? The simple formula means, in order to have a successful civic debate, we must put aside self-interest and seek communal benefit. We must argue on principle and discover where those values lead us without reference to our personal welfare. In other words, arguments whose results are destined to stand are those in which we honestly seek truth insofar as we imperfect human beings might come to know the truth. It is uncomfortable to listen to the person on the other side argue what you know is by God wrong. But if he's arguing for the sake of heaven, then we have the obligation to listen. I think the point is made clear by the previous but related Mishnah. Right before we have this argument about arguing for the sake of heaven, we find the following. Any love that is dependent upon some other matter, the love and the other matter will both be lost. Love not dependent upon any secondary interest will last eternally. We all know that in matters of love, 
Personal selfish interests can be the driver. People proclaim their love to one another, but sometimes they're motivated by secondary factors. Personal security, companionship, money among them. The problem, obviously, is when the real reason for the so-called loving disappears. The loving disappears with it. Motive matters. The comparison between these two statements should be clear, then. There are certain matters so important that we must be clear about our internal processes, our motives, and pursue our goals with pure intentions, or risk ruining everything. For instance, many people are arguing for greater security and more government interference in our lives because, after 9-11, they are simply more afraid for themselves and their families. We see this security argument in the gun debate all the time. That should be put on the table as a reason. I'm not willing to take the risk for myself or my family. I demand more security. I am willing to give up a measure of my privacy and my autonomy to the government because I'm afraid that what happened in Boston and New York will happen here. Might be what the person says. If so, we can discuss that. That is a legitimate cause for civic concern. The government is, after all, responsible in large measure for our security as a nation. If the same person ignores that reason, though, and instead claims, look, I just don't think the government will ever do anything to harm us, then we've not arrived at the real debate because the person's covering up the actual reason for the disagreement, which is personal fear. Even worse would be the person who owns stock in a home security firm, who stands to personally benefit financially from more government eavesdropping, knowing that she or he will benefit directly from the argument. And why do I mention all these things? And why would it be the subject of a sermon on a Shabbat among Jews? Because I suspect that we are at a turning point in our nation. We have allowed foreign nationals to be incarcerated in Guantanamo for 10 years without trial. We have a secret court that judges where and when the government will surveil private American citizens in the United States, and no one can speak of what the decisions are and how they're being made. Our government has assassinated Americans abroad who have not had trials even in absentia and have been deemed terrorists without proof in court. The government has been secretly, and not so secretly, killing supposed terrorists, taking refuge in foreign nations like Yemen and Pakistan. In at least one instance, we have assassinated tribal leaders who were not a threat to us, or were simply the personal enemies of the warlords on whom we rely. Our democracy is changing, and that is of interest to the Jews in this country. We Americans may be feeling more secure, but these changes present real threats to our system of justice, in which a criminal has the right to the protection of law and to face his accusers. It is because of the rule of law and the Constitution that we Jews have found such a haven in this country for all these last couple of hundred years. 
We depend upon our rights as individuals granted by the Constitution. And if they are in doubt, it is incumbent on the Jewish community to pay attention. Innocent and guilty are being swept up in a dragnet without proof, and often without even accusation, and certainly without courts. As Abraham said to God in the book of Genesis, will you sweep away the innocent with the guilty? Heaven forbid that the judge of all the earth should not do justice. It is a time for national debate, a debate for the sake of heaven, a debate for the sake of our democracy, a debate for the sake of our people. Our historic form of democracy is certainly at risk. Whatever the outcome may be, change has been upon us. Whether the changes will be for good in the long term or for evil may rest upon whether we can mount an honest civic debate now. That is what is incumbent upon citizens. So may it be. So may we take part in it so that our lives and the lives of our nation will be secure.